You're listening to the Nutrition by Lex podcast with Alexis Roberts, a dietetic graduate student and soon-to-be registered dietitian. Hi guys, welcome back to the Nutrition by Lex podcast. I'm here with Diana and today we're going to be talking all about binge eating. I get so many questions from you guys in my DMs and comments and stuff about binge eating. So we're going to try and dive deep into it to help you guys get a better understanding of it. But first I'm going to let Diana introduce herself. So if you just want to tell everyone who you are, where you're from, what you do, just so they get a better feel of who you are. Hi, Alexis. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to meet you guys. My name is Diana and I actually recently just completed my undergraduate work in nutrition and dietetics. So I've been interning for a while now and hopefully next year by the summer I should be a registered dietitian. So with that being said, I actually have always wanted to start a private practice and I feel like a lot of dietitians like yourself included uh, dietetic interns, um, we all want to start our own business, right? So I always want to do something like counsel people and I always thought that I had wanted to incorporate like nutrition counseling and fitness because I'm also super passionate about fitness but then I felt like you know I wasn't like as excited about helping people with it and the more I learned about nutrition like literally everything nutrition like weight loss fitness chronic diseases eating disorders it helped me become more in touch with my own personal struggles and I had realized that binge eating was something that I felt very drawn to and something that I wanted to help other women with And I realized that I wanted to start my own private practice with this. So I have been seeing a business coach recently and she helped me launch my private practice. So I have been accepting clients. So I'm super excited to actually begin helping people with this. Yay. That's awesome. That's so exciting that you're like starting to actually get off the ground and launch everything. Cause that's kind of what I'm doing right now too with nutrition by Lex. (laughs) So it's like, it's all so exciting whenever things like actually get going. So I can definitely relate to that. Um, Yeah. Perfect. So we are going to just kind of go right into talking about binge eating. So first, I think the first thing we need to touch on is like, what is binge eating? Because I think so many people get confused between binge eating and overeating. And there is a big difference between the two. So do you just kind of want to like go into detail about like how they're different and why they're different? Yeah, of course. And I see that a lot too. Um, And you know what? Overeating is a normal tendency that I think we all experience from time to time. I know I do it like I personally love pizza. So if I want to go for that third slice, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so good. I'm going to go for it, you know, and that's not really, uh, you wouldn't really label that as binge eating. So there's a fine line between overeating and binge eating. So binge eating is more of eating a significant amount of food in a really short amount of time. And it's more than like people would eat in those similar circumstances, if that makes sense. Right. And then these binge eating episodes are also typically marked by feelings of lack of control. And then also people who struggle with binge eating will also experience feelings of like shame, guilt, or embarrassment. And then another common behavior is people will eat alone to hide their binge eating. Like they feel so embarrassed. And I was like this too. They don't want other people to see it that they're struggling. And it's something that people will always struggle with in silence, like alone. Nobody else knows about it. And then also there is objective and subjective binge eating. So objective is when someone will eat a large amount of food, usually around like, let's say 2000 calories in a period of at least two hours. And then with this, you feel like you've lost control. And as for subjective binge eating, it's when a person eats an amount of food that isn't really perceived as large by others, but you still feel that loss of control. But then as for both of these, they all have similar feelings. So usually you eat at an unusually quick rate, you will feel uncomfortably full, and then you will eat even though you're not hungry. And then again, you're eating in secret because of your embarrassment. And then also you feel pretty guilty and ashamed after a binge eating episode. So I hope that kind of clears up the difference between overeating and binge eating. Right. And I like that you talked about the objective and the subjective, because Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people, like everything's just normally grouped into one big category. And I know for me personally, because I have overcome this, um, I I can relate to so many things that you just talked about, like eating by myself, eating a bunch, like 
all at once, like so fast. And it almost happens to a point where I like to like call it like the blackout phase. Like it's almost like you just like blackout and then you come out of it and like, there's like wrappers and everything around you. And you're like, how the heck did that happen? Like, when did this happen? And I feel like this is just like such a huge struggle for everyone. And I like the fact that you pointed out the subjective because a lot of people don't really think of this as being binge eating because sometimes this can happen in a set in a group setting with someone like if you're at a cookout or something like that and it's not necessarily like as much as it would be if you were like in your bed by yourself like at 12 o'clock at night so this is still something that you would like feel guilt from feel ashamed and it's something that you're dealing with like in your own personal like by yourself it's like in your own little bubble that you aren't letting anyone in and it's just like it eats at you and it eats away like and this is it mentally physically everything it takes your energy it takes brain fog like I used to experience brain fog so bad because of this and it was just like I would be like all over the place and so I'm really glad you like differentiated between the two yeah of course and I like that you mentioned you know the feelings of while you're like in the moment of a binge it's kind of almost like you're experiencing a high and you're really not there like physically you're there but like mentally you're just in a totally different world and it's really hard to explain that to people who haven't experienced it themselves so I think you really put it into perspective right yeah because that used to be my one thing I would always just kind of like I wouldn't know how to explain it whenever I first started to open up about it to my parents um mm-hmm. it was like three years later but like after I finally started being like okay like I've got to start talking about this because if I don't it's just going to get worse and I like hit like a cracking point you know there's always yeah. that like one spot and I'm still not like hugely open about it to like a bunch of people like in the public and stuff and like I'll post posts about it every once in a while but it's something I truly struggled with for like three years of my life and that's like the best way I can explain it to people it's it's like a blackout phase and you really just like have no self-control of it and there's no other way of explaining it unless you like actually dealt with it and understand that feeling no I get that I was gonna actually remember something when you're like oh with the wrappers everywhere so (laughs) my favorite chocolate of all time is Reese's like I love Reese's so I know that that recipe in your ebook and I'm like oh my gosh I can't wait to make this because I'm obsessed with anything like chocolate peanut butter but I remember like when I would meticulously count my calories like literally everything the macros I would weigh my food and I would try to stay very very low calorie I mean it was bad and now that I look back on it I'm like I don't know how I survived because I would exercise intensely and again exercise can be a a form of purging from binge eating which is we can talk about that later yeah but let's say I would see Reese's and I remember these moments I'm like no I can't have that and then I would try and like have a conversation with myself like well maybe like one is okay I'm like no no I can't I've been so good and then fast forward to later in the day I would find myself just eating a bunch of Reese's I mean like you said like there'd be wrappers everywhere and it wouldn't just stop at that because like whatever was in my pantry is like the next thing I would move on to and I would just keep eating and eating and I wasn't even aware like I like you said like you would black out I'm like how did this happen and you don't notice it until you feel like that uncomfortable feeling setting in your stomach and then you realize okay this just happened right so it's, it's pretty crazy honestly yeah and that's like and then you just like you don't only like mentally feel bad about yourself like you actually feel physically sick too yeah. and then that's when I like that you pointed out that you were eating at restrictive calories and everything like that and that's probably what led into your binge eating um for me personally I was diagnosed with celiac disease my freshman year of college and which pushed me into like studying nutrition and stuff. Cause I was like, had become super aware of what I was eating. Um, and then I also decided to go vegetarian around the same time. So my entire diet, like did a complete 180. And at first it was like really good and stuff, but I also was like huge in the calorie counting. Like my fitness pal was like my Bible. Like I was tracking every <laughs> single little thing, like up to like even two tablespoons of ketchup, if I was eating ketchup or something like that, very specific. And then if I was going over by like one calorie, I would have to like go for a run, go for a walk, do setups before bed, something along those lines. And people don't realize that that's still, it, it leads into the binging. So all of the restriction and all of the over-exercising that I was doing, I feel like that was just a pathway of like, going down the road to binge eating. And finally my body just like broke and was like, you need calories, you need food. And that's what the binging actually is. It's like a way of your body getting the, getting just like energy that it's been deprived of for so long. 
Yeah, no, I like that you mentioned that because it's so important, especially for us since we studied all this. And, you know, the more you study it, the more you really start to understand how the body works and why we need more calories. Right. And it's something I never understood until I went back to school to become a dietitian. But I mean, now I see everyone's eating like up to 1200 calories a day. And then when I see this, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's insane because those are the needs of a toddler. Like 1200, 1400 calories is what a toddler needs. And we're grown women. Like we need way more than that to sustain like our everyday lives, like to get you through the day, to get you through your workout, whatever it is, like we need so much more than that. And then it brings me to, you know, you said counting calories. And if you went over, you would have to exercise. For me, it was either that or once I went over my calories, I just felt like I blew it. I'm like, oh my God, like, why can't I do this? Why am I such a failure? Like you just start having this negative self-talk and then it just like starts again the next day. You're like, tomorrow's going to be better, but like it never is because it repeats itself and it's literally never ending until one day you realize, okay, this is not healthy. Like there's clearly something wrong here. Right. No. And the fact that you said that once you go over that one and it's just like, you just kind of lose control and it's like, screw it. Like there's no reason for even trying anymore. I'm just going to like eat everything in sight. And then the binge starts. That also goes back to eating such a low amount of calories and your blood sugar level. Everyone always says like, I don't have the willpower. I don't have this. It's not that you've got low blood sugar. Cause you're not eating enough. Like I did a whole episode on that in one of my nutrition 101 series. So if y'all haven't listened to that, go back and listen <laughs> to that because I describe all of that in there and it's really informative. But a lot of times when people don't have the willpower, so to say, it's because they don't have blood. They don't have like an adequate amount of blood sugar. They have low blood sugar and they're just like their body's deprived. Yes, I agree. And it's important that you bring that up willpower and self-control because that's another common thing we see, right? Right. People always say, oh my gosh, I lack so much willpower and self-control. And really it's not about that. I mean, your body is sending you so many signals and trying to tell you like, I'm hungry, you need to feed me. Whether it's like mentally, you might be experiencing headaches or whatever it is, you might feel really tired or like the physical sensations of your stomach rumbling, like whatever it is, or even getting hangry. Like I never understood that. And now it's an actual term. No, but I get hangry so often. <laughs> I know even now, like if I go to the arts, I'm like, Ooh, I'm getting like a little bit of attitude. I need same. <laughs> exactly. I'm the same boat. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really important to become more in tune with your body. And I know you've also talked about intuitive eating, like on your Instagram, which I've noticed and something right. that you help people with. And it really does help you incorporate, you know, learning how to listen to your body and how to respond to these signals. I mean, there are natural biological signals that are trying to help us. And the more you tap into these and learn them, then your recovery will eventually, you know, it'll start, it'll start, it'll be difficult in the beginning. You really have to be patient with yourself, but there's so much that goes into it that you really have to understand in order to begin the healing journey, I guess you could say. Right, exactly. And transitioning into like talking about how the healing journey and stuff, I think you bringing up intuitive eating is a huge one because it's so hard for some people to start to intuitively eat because they've been on a binge restrict cycle for so long. So they've just suppressed that feeling of being hungry and they truly don't even know like what hunger feels like. Like they, like they aren't even sure or even like what fullness feels like. Cause every single time they're eating, they're just going so far past it. It's like, they just eat until they're stuffed. And it's so hard to actually learn those cues that your body is giving us. I always tell people, our body's a machine. It's smart. It knows what you need. If you just learn to listen to it properly, it, you're, you're going to be on the right track. Like you just have to learn to listen to those cues. So going into that, like, what would you say, like talking about trigger foods and warning signs of a potential binge coming up throughout the, in the rest of the day? Like, how would you tell people to handle that and learn to, um, like recognize those things? Yeah. So as far as trigger foods, I mean, there's a lot that we can talk about here. So mm -hmm. something I see a lot of that is really upsetting is when people tell someone who has a binge eating problem, they tell them to avoid trigger foods. They'll be like, you know, don't buy junk food, just stay away from it. And I, I know that these people are trying to help, but actually it does so much more harm than good. Because again, you're putting yourself in that restrictive state and the more you restrict something, the more you want it, like the more appealing it is. For sure. So you really have to, it sounds scary, but you have to give yourself unconditional permission to eat all foods. Like no food is off limit. 
So, and you have to start small. So let's say you've been restricting a whole bunch of food, like different sweets and like cookies, cakes, whatever it is, you have to start small. So let's say you've been restricting cookies. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to buy enough cookies and keep it in your house, in your purse, wherever, your pantry, and make sure you have enough. And that way you will be able to eat it and you know that it's going to be there. And it may take time because again, like I said, this is not easy. And some people might think this is crazy to hear, but you really, again, have to be patient, give yourself time because the more you're exposed to the food, the more you realize, hey, it's not going anywhere. Those cookies are going to be there and I'm going to be okay. I can eat one now, I can eat one tomorrow. And you won't always feel that urge like you're having intense cravings or like you need to eat an entire sleeve of cookies, like whatever it is. Again, it will take time. So you really have to be patient with yourself. Right. I I completely agree with everything you're saying. And I just know there are people listening that are thinking, oh, but if I allow allow myself to buy those and have them in the house, I'm just going to eat the entire thing in the first sitting when I first sit down to eat it. So what would you say to them about um, trying to limit yourselves or not limit, but like pace yourself when it comes to eating them like throughout the week rather than all in one night? Yeah. So that's why I mentioned start small Mm -hmm. and I know that in the beginning, this might happen. Like you might still overeat them. You might still binge on them. Like, and that's totally normal because that's part of the process. You can't just expect to one day buy a bunch of cookies in your house and be like, oh, look, I'm fine. I'm not binging on them. Like reality, in reality, that's not how it works. And in order for you to get through recovery, you're still going to experience binge episodes. Right. So what I'd like to recommend is put together a list of foods that you've been restricting and give yourself one food at a time. So like for one week, you might do pizza, allow yourself to order pizza at a restaurant, allow yourself to um, have it delivered to your house or go to the store and buy whatever it is, just that we focus on that and really take the time to focus on the food. Like, how do you feel eating it? Like, does it really, does it taste good? Is this something that you can see yourself continuing to eat? Because What you may find surprising is that people who have been restricting certain foods, like let's say chocolate donuts, they've been restricting it because diet culture says it's bad, but then when they allow themselves to eat the donut and really take the time to taste it and, you know, pay attention to the texture, they realize that they don't actually like it. So you'd be surprised by how much you learn about yourself by making this list of foods and you'll really discover what foods you actually like and not the foods that diet culture has been telling you to enjoy or, you know, not enjoy, if that makes sense. Right. No, that makes total sense. And I think this has a lot to do with um, mindful eating as well, because Mm -hmm. a lot of the times as like us as busy um, Americans, pretty much like we're never nonstop. We're always multitasking and we're just like, we will sit there, watch a YouTube video, watch Netflix, watch the news or TikTok or anything like that while we're eating something. And we aren't actually focusing on the food we're eating. So I think if we would actually like, like you said with the whole pizza thing, see what you like about it, see what you don't like about it. If you're like actually enjoying it and things like that, we don't actually think through those things when we're having a meal. And I feel like that's a a key way of actually becoming okay with the foods that you're eating and realizing that they don't have control over you. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I agree. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that was something I was going to talk about, you know, being mindful and not eating distracted all the time. And I think, as you said, we're busy Americans. We're always on the go. We're constantly multitasking. So I know it seems impossible to actually sit and enjoy your meal, like totally undistracted. Like, I mean, I'm always busy. I'm sure you are too. Yeah as well but again it's all about starting small so pick one meal of the day whether it's even a snack but pick one meal of the day where you will eat it completely undistracted and for me that's breakfast like I really like to sit and enjoy my breakfast without my phone in my hand without being on social media without like literally anything distracting me so I can really be more in tune with um, what I'm eating how it tastes and also my hunger and fullness cues so I've noticed like I like to have a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast and the more I my favorite yeah it's so good (laughs) it's so good but when I'm really paying attention I realize that I don't need to eat the whole bowl of oatmeal I can save it for later and I realize oh wow like I'm actually pretty full and satisfied I don't have to clean my plate because again a lot of us I'm sure come from the clean your plate club we're like I have to eat all this but you really don't when you become more in tune with your signals 
you'll realize what amount of food you need to help satisfy you and help you feel content and full. Right. And I think that's another thing too, that you said, you're actually paying attention to what you're eating. Most of the time when we're distracted in eating, we eat faster and it takes a lot longer for our fullness to settle in because it does take like, I think like 20 minutes or something for our stomach to talk to our brain to tell us that we're actually full. So I think by eating slower, like you said, and actually being mindful about what we're eating is giving us time to actually realize when we're full and it makes it easier to actually feel those cues that our bodies are, our body's giving us. Yeah, no, and actually to add on to that. So it does definitely take us a while to realize or for our brain to realize when we're full, but just taking little breaks in between eating, like yeah. put a spoon or fork down and like really just take a few moments, even a few seconds, it really makes a big difference because yeah. I tend to eat pretty fast. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to slow down. So it's so important that you mentioned that and we really do need to take breaks. And it, again, that's all going to help you become more in tune with your body eventually. But it does take time. It takes practice as with anything else, because like you said, this has all been suppressed and, you know, we're born with this. We're born in, as intuitive eaters, but because of all these years of dieting and suppressing our hunger cues and seeing this as like the enemy, it's going to take time to reintroduce it and build that. And then, you know, you, it's all about practicing it daily. Right. Good. So Another thing that I wanted to kind of touch on was like kind of like coping skills to, to deal with like throughout the day and just stuff that you can do like on a daily basis to help keep you, your emotions and stuff in line. Cause a lot of binge eating comes from an emotional drive, I guess you should say. Um, so one thing that I like to talk about with my clients is like meditation, um, journaling, making sure you're getting enough sleep and like things like that. So what's your opinion on that? I love that. I'm all about meditation and it's something I've been doing for a little over a year. And again, that helps too. And just meditation and mindfulness really does help with binge recovery because not only just the mindfulness part, but you're going to be more in tune with your emotions. And again, like you said, emotion is a big part of binge eating. Mm -hmm. So when you practice mindfulness, you're going to learn how to be more in tune with your thoughts and feelings. And that's so important, whether before a binge, during a binge, after it's really, really crucial to be in like, you know, like in tune with your yeah, thoughts. There you go. Yeah. And then along with other coping strategies, I think it's really important to have a support system because like you mentioned, this is something that you didn't really openly talk about until you told your parents, maybe kind of being more public with it. It's something I personally never talked about with anyone because I didn't see it as a problem until years later when I was finally recovered and healed. And now, of course, since I'm helping more women with it, I'm more open about it because I think it's important to show other people that you struggled with this as well and they have someone to talk to. I mean, if you don't feel comfortable talking to a family or a friend, I mean, reach out to someone on social media who you see has either struggled with this or they seem like someone you'd want to reach out to. I mean, that counts too. I think people just want somebody to listen to them because then they don't feel so alone and like they're struggling alone. Right. No, I totally agree with that because during those three years that I was struggling with this, I was living in a house with seven other girls. There was, there was eight of us in a house. And so I was constantly hiding in my room. I would stay in from going out from like a night's out because I just like wanted to avoid it. I didn't want them to figure it out because I was embarrassed by it. Um, so I just really like was in my own shell. I pushed them away. Um, I had I was on edge all the time because I was just so frustrated about it. So finally, it was like right around the time that I graduated from USC is when I finally opened up, up to my parents about it because I was like, I'm so tired of living like this. It's like, it was just so hard. And it was even so hard to like talk to them about it because I was embarrassed. Like even though they're my parents, it's like, I was just so embarrassed about it. And I still don't talk about it a lot with like my friends and stuff, but that's where I've used my platform that I've built. And I like, I'm more open on my platform to like you guys and my, like my listeners and my followers and stuff than I am with my close friends and family. Mm -hmm. But I've found that I have come through on the other end and it's almost my like duty to help bring other girls through to the other side as well. And if that has to do with sharing my story, then that's what I need to do. And because I know for me, listening to other people's stories and stuff that helped me because a lot of people feel like they're alone in the middle of all this. And I know I did for a long period of time. I thought like, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm alone. Like no one else that I know deals with this and stuff. And that's like 
where the magic of social media, I think comes in. Cause like some, some people think it's toxic and stuff like that, but like you can build a community and you can like find your own like happy place with someone that's across the world because they've experienced the same things as you. And I just think that's so cool. And so that's why like, I, I'm open about it on my following page, but I don't necessarily talk about it as much like with my friends and family, because I feel like, oh, it's not really like, I mean, talk about my parents and stuff, but like my friends, I don't really, but um, it's just more like, that's, that's my side of like my work and how I'm like trying to like lead other women through. And then there's like a family and friend side. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that you mentioned that. I mean, it's social media is so important and it really doesn't have to be toxic. It does, of course. Yeah. But you can find all the good sides. And I mean, you really have to look in the right places. And I think it's really cool. Like you said, we can build this community and just have this overwhelming support from someone you've never met. Like, I think it's so cool. I get chills just talking about it because it's it's, amazing. Yeah. Just to talk to each other. And I find that a lot of people are just thankful for that. Like I had some young girl reach out to me recently and she was like, Oh, thank you so much for listening to me. And I, I could tell that she genuinely appreciated it because she does not have anyone to talk to about it in person because she feels so embarrassed and ashamed. And I know in the moment it's, difficult to hear this you don't have to feel that way but again that's it's easier said than done right and that's why it's so important to just reach out to somebody because it's so much easier not easier really but it just makes it so much more manageable when you can talk to someone about it even right after you binge just to release those feelings and just say how you feel like you just need to get that out you need something that will help you vent in some way and it has to be you know a healthy way of course Right, exactly. And I feel like a lot of people aren't comfortable doing that with the close people in their life. So that's when we come in and like, like with my clients and stuff, like that's where I am there for them during those times of need. I always tell them, you have my phone number. If you need to reach out to me at whenever you're having like these thoughts, these negative self thoughts and stuff, and we need to talk through it, that's what I'm here for. That's what I work with you with. That's where we're going to get through it. And even people that send me DMs and like comments and things like that, like I feel like it's almost more of a safe place for them because they know they're not going to be judged by us. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, we feel like we're going to be judged by someone else's opinion, which we just have to learn to like, let that go. Granted, like I said, easier said than done, (laughs) but um, that's like one of the biggest leaps I think with recovering from this. It is. I totally agree. And I mean, I know you really say to tell your parents, but again, it's that whole judgment free thing. I mean, it's not like your parents are going to, judge you 100% just you feel like they won't understand because they didn't go through something like that themselves whereas reaching out to someone on social media you clearly see oh they went through this I know they'll understand and they won't judge me I think that's I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's so important like you definitely don't want someone to judge you because you already feel pretty crappy about yourself you feel like all these negative emotions you really don't want anyone else to add on to that Right. The last thing you need is like someone to just be like, well, can't you just stop? Like, and just, just, I know. And just like, but that's the things that you might get from someone who hasn't experienced it and understood it. And I feel like that's what a lot of my listeners are getting from people that they've tried to talk to about it. Therefore it's just dragging them back down and they're just like actually not wanting to open up about it and stay in their shell even more, which is why I think like us talking about it and making it normal, like opening up and normalizing it so that people don't feel alone. I think that's the best thing we could possibly be doing right now. (laughs) It is even for us too. Like you said, you never really opened about it. I never really opened about it. And it feels so good just to talk about it and like actually really tell someone what had happened because it's not something you normally talk about with people, with your family or friends. I mean, you're just hiding it all these years. Like, Oh, it's fine. Like they don't have to know, but like, really it's not fine. And I love that we're talking about this and I know when other people listen, they're going to be able to relate and be like, wow, that's exactly how I feel. And then they're going to be able to reach out and get help when, when they feel ready. Right. Exactly. So going into like reaching out and getting ready for recovery and stuff, what, like, what is your advice for people to do? I've got a lot of questions about like, what do I do right after a binge? How do I handle the next couple of days after a binge? And then we can go into like also like recovery later too. So the one thing you don't want to do is beat yourself up because you're already experiencing so many negative emotions and you already feel like you blew it. So you can't undo this guilt, but you also shouldn't sit with it. It's important, again, like how we mentioned earlier, just to acknowledge and know how you are feeling. 
and just take a moment to reflect on what has led you to binge. It might help you to journal. Um, and again, this is where meditation and mindfulness comes in place because it's going to help you become more in tune with, <clears throat> with these emotions and why these things happen. You'll be able to recall, okay, so what went wrong today that I can, you know, prevent from happening again in the future? Maybe you skipped a meal. Were you experiencing a lot of stress or negative emotions? Was there just an overwhelming amount of anxiety that led you to your binging episode? So you really have to take the time and try to understand what happened. Um, again, you want to do this without any judgment, just really noting what happened and noting how you feel. Because this is something that I was told years ago. Um, I had seen a therapist, actually, and this is something that I've also never really opened up about. But I remember my therapist said, you are not your feelings. And I get chills just saying this out loud because it's so important. Like, just because you feel like a failure or whatever other negative feeling, you are not that feeling. Like, those feelings do not define you. And you can always overcome that. It's just a matter of practicing self-care and however you prefer. But it's so, so, so important to realize that just because you may be feeling something doesn't make it true. It's you really have to, again, just note these feelings and move past it. You don't want to dwell on it. But again, you just have to see it as, okay, it happened. Tomorrow is a new day. And then also what I've noticed is the day after, the night after, whatever, someone binges, they will, again, be like, well, I ate so much last night, so I'm going to skip breakfast. I'm going to go for a really long run. Like this is probably going to lead to another binge because you're restricting, you're looking for ways to purge what just happened, whether it's through, you know, over-exercising, laxatives, vomiting, whatever it may be. These are all forms of purging and this can all lead to more binging later on in the day. So even the morning after, if you feel slightly hungry, but you're just not really craving anything because you still feel so guilty and ashamed, just please try and eat something small. I mean, even if it's like a banana, just don't skip any meals because again, this can lead to another binge. Right. And that's like leading into that cycle that everyone gets stuck in. Yeah. I love that. I love that you said even just like eating something so small, like a banana, half a banana, um, a thing of yogurt, something just so small, that's not going to be super heavy on your stomach. Cause I know, um, from experience, I know like after a binge, you tend to be super bloated you just feel very like blech and yucky kind of feeling. So something super light, um, but don't like, don't skip meals, hydrate, drink tons of water. Um, especially if you, are having like those urges to like go for a run, um, laxatives, vomiting, like you said, you could be super dehydrated if you do partake in any of those activities. So hydrate, hydrate, hydrate is key. Um, and then also, like you said, with the journaling, mm -hmm. I love that you said that um, specifically during times like right before or right after a binge, just to like see how you feel. I also think it could be very helpful to just start journaling in general. It could maybe help suppress some of the emotions in the long run. So it's not so built up that can lead to the binge. If you can just write out your emotion, even if it's like journaling for five minutes before you go to bed, it doesn't have to be a long elaborate story. You don't have to write a book. It could be two or three lines, but just getting off your chest, what's on your mind at the moment can help you in the long run. Yes, that's so important because even though you may not be talking about it with someone else, just getting it down on paper I mean, just writing it there is just a way of getting those feelings out because like you said, the last thing you want is for all those emotions to build up and then that can lead to a binge. I know you mentioned that earlier, um, emotional eating and binge eating do go hand in hand. Right. So by really being able to be more in tune and just recognizing, okay, why am I feeling like this? I need to write this down or, you know, even practicing like yoga or going for a walk, as long as it's, you're not using it as a way to punish yourself. Right. It's all about self-care at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. I think yoga is yoga and meditation is like a huge thing for me, especially because like whenever I was going through all of my like secretive binge eating and stuff, I, I actually got into a yoga training program and I got my 200 hour yoga training certification because I thought that what, every single time I went and practiced yoga, I was so much more mindful after I was in such a better mood. I was just like, my mood was lifted. And so I decided that I wanted to actually go and train and I wanted to like do this whole process. And it's more than just 
training and um, learning how to teach a class. It's like we did 24 hour meditations. We did 12 hour walking meditations and we had to journal every single day and like turn in our journals to make sure like she was just like checking to make sure that we were actually doing it and stuff and doing that throughout like the six months that I was in training really shifted a lot of my mindset. And I realized that throughout whenever I was doing that training and the meditation and the journaling and just really being super self care and super in tune with my body during that time, my binges were way lower. Like I was at like my minimum, my minimal part. Um, I was just, I was way happier. And then when I stopped practicing as much as when they slowly started creeping back in. So I know for me personally, journaling, meditating and practicing yoga and stuff is something that I, it really helps me. Um, so it can maybe help you guys listening and stuff. So try it. If you haven't tried it yet, it's definitely worth a shot. Um, but that really did help me with coming through out on the other end. It really does. And I've noticed there's definitely been a rise in like meditating and mindfulness. I mean, there's so many free resources out there. Like you don't have to pay for a meditation app. I personally do because I love Headspace and that's probably my favorite one. But I've noticed they even have Headspace on YouTube. Like you can literally just type in meditation. There's so many different things on there. And if you may not like the voice of somebody, just find somebody else. You know, I know exactly. like the <laughs> they can definitely get some getting used to exactly yeah I've used headspace before that's a really good one I've also used insight time like the insight timer and yes. stuff um they have like guided meditations but they also just have like that calming like own music that you can just like sit with and I feel like that's almost good too because guided meditations are good for beginners for sure it helps you get into it, it helps you learn how to do it and stuff but the ones like with just like the meditation music it helps you really focus and you can focus on yourself and like realize like think about um like what's coming up in your brain like try to keep your brain empty but like does a random thought come in and think about like okay why did this random thought come in why is it here let's process it okay now it's gone let's sit and so like a lot of people don't realize that like you go through so many different emotions during meditation and stuff and it's crazy and it really helps when you come out of it you're just like whoa like okay that was that was good (laughs) I love like so it reminds me of when I first started out and I know I would listen to the guy and he'd be like always he'd always say focus on your breath but then also whatever thoughts or feelings come across he always says note it you know yep. let yourself experience it and then move on mm-hmm. and then you know there'd be so many thoughts racing in my head I'm like oh my god like I need to stop thinking but the point of meditation is it's not to get you to stop thinking there's no way you can turn your brain off from thinking it's just realizing your thoughts and emotions noting it, moving on, returning to your breath and just focusing on that. And it's really cool once you first start it. Cause I remember like, sorry, my dog is barking. You're fine. Um, just like this euphoric feeling. And I just feel so relaxed and just mentally at ease after a meditation session. And it's just, it's such a cool feeling. Like I really would have to, it's so hard to explain it. Like you really have to go through it yourself and experience it. And then you'll know what I'm talking about. Right. Exactly. And that's something that like, if you practice on a daily basis and you're just super mindful and stuff, like we said, emotions are very closely tied into binge eating and it could just help bring those emotions back down to earth and level out to where you aren't going to have those certain urges to, to binge eat. And they might be like, you might only have once a week versus like three times a week if you start meditation. And, and if you do notice those changes, then keep it up. And like, cause it's like good for everyone. I think like it's stress levels, sleep, um, everything. <laughs> so, so if you find that it does help you, then keep doing it and find something that like, find something that you enjoy that has those same effects. Um, so even if it's like getting up and going for a walk in the morning with your dog or something like that, it doesn't have to be meditation. Cause I know some people are just like, I'm not going to meditate. That's not me. Um, so there's so many different things like journaling, meditating, going for a walk with your dog. If you have a pool going for a swim, um, just something that you enjoy and that's going to get you out of your own head and bring you back down and like centered to earth. Yes. That's so important. It really does have to be something that you genuinely enjoy. Cause I know there are a lot of people who are like, well, I tried meditating and it doesn't work. I don't like it. Well, that's okay. You don't have to do it. Like there's so many other things you can do to take care of yourself. And I love that you mentioned that. It's super important. Yeah. It's super important to make sure that um, you are enjoying what you are doing. I even say, talk about that when it comes to fitness. Like if Mm -hmm. you're forcing yourself to go out on a run, like, and you just 
hate waking up and going for a run. Like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you going out for a run? Obviously you aren't enjoying it. Don't make yourself do it. So same when it comes to like finding those mindful practices to do. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Awesome. So let's touch on recovery just a little bit. Now we talked about some coping skills and stuff. Um, Let's go into like, how should someone even begin to start with recovery? Like what is the first step? Yeah, I think the first step is definitely feeling like you're ready to reach out for help because if you're not ready, then the recovery process might be difficult and it might take longer. Like you truly have to ask yourself, okay, am I ready to reach out? Am I ready to get help? And that's something that I ask um, people who message me. I'm like, okay, well, do you feel ready? Have you reached out previously to anyone? And, you know, it really makes them sit with that question and truly ask themselves if they're ready So if you've been binging for what feels like forever and you've tried like countless things to stop and you just feel like nothing is working, at that point, I think it's important to reach out to a healthcare professional, whether it's um, a therapist, a nutritionist, whoever you think will help you, you have to find that help. And again, I mentioned this earlier, you want to make sure you find somebody that you trust. Um, I know there's a lot of people who do like free consultations. So I think that really helps you get to know the person and what their approach is towards binge eating recovery. So that way you can kind of get to know them and talk to them and decide whether that person is a good fit for you and what you're looking for in recovery. Because if you just go to anyone and you feel like, oh, I don't know if this person is good, don't feel bad. This is about you. You want to recover. So you need to find someone who's going to help you someone you trust, even if it's, you know, going to a therapist in person or a nutritionist or somebody online. I know we're both taking clients for that. So again, it's really up to you to find somebody that you feel like can help you through this journey. Right. And exactly. That's why I do the 30 minute free consultations at first, because you're not only looking like telling them and trying to get them to help you with something like I'm personally trying to figure out if I can actually help you with what you need. And then the client on the other hand is also figuring out if like, we're going to be a good fit. Are you going to be able to trust me? Am I going to provide you with what you need to reach your goals and recover or whatever your specific goal is? Um, So yeah, it's kind of like a two way street with this. Like we want to help you as much as possible, but if we aren't, if we don't have the knowledge to help you with what you really want to like get help on, then you're not the client for me or if I vice versa. So I think that's a good thing to make sure to always do like a free consultation before when it comes to um, nutritionists, um, therapists. I don't know if therapists really do that. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but, and ask for someone's background, like ask for like, cause me personally, I have a psychology background along with exercise science and now I'm getting my degree in nutrition and stuff, but ask for someone's background and that might help you understand more of like where they're leaning toward and where they could help guide you. And also like you would know like their accredited information and like they're, they're not BS pretty much like they're, they actually have knowledge on like what they're talking about. Right. So I think that's great. Um, do you have any suggestions for people who aren't ready to actually reach out um, and get help? Is there any like hotlines or groups on Facebook or anything like that that you are aware of um, that listeners could go join or anything like that? Yeah, of course. So I know there are a lot of Facebook groups um, and I've actually looked into them myself. Um, you will, you just keep, you can just look up like binge eating or mm-hmm binge eating. There's one, I think it's called binge eaters anonymous. Um, there's plenty of resources. I think Facebook groups are helpful because people are really supportive and it helps to have a supportive community because you can see what other people are struggling with. You can see when they're reaching out for help and then it might kind of push you to reach for help. Again, you don't want to force yourself and you really want to take it one step at a time, but being a part of like some of these communities in the meantime can help you. There are also a lot of admins in these Facebook groups. So they do definitely make sure that, you know, people aren't really talking about weight loss and like diet culture, because those are triggers right. for people who are trying to overcome binge eating. And what's scary is there's even some so-called health experts out there who say you can lose weight and recover from binge eating. And if you see this, just run as fast as you can, <laughs> because they do not go together and they never will. You cannot focus on binge eating recovery and binge eating recovery and losing weight. That will just never happen. There's no way that you can recover if that's your primary goal. 
Right. But I think the Facebook groups are great if you're not ready or even just, again, just talking to someone, it might help you realize, okay, maybe I really should reach out and get help, especially if this is something you've been struggling with for a while. And I've noticed this too. I was just on a consultation call recently and this woman said she's been struggling for over a year. And I'm like, I'm so glad you finally reached out and decided to talk to someone. So you really just have to sit with yourself, ask yourself, okay, how long has it been? How is this interfering with my life? Like what has binge eating stopped you from doing in your life? Is it interfering with your social life, your work, your school life, whatever it is, you really have to analyze how it's affected you and just ask yourself, is this how I want to continue living? Like, am I ready to get help? Like these are just some important things, like important self-reflection to think about. Right. No, I think that's good that you mentioned your um, person you had a consultation with. She had been dealing with it for a year and she finally decided to reach out. That reminds me of me. Like I dealt with it for three years. And I think the first two years, I was just so oblivious to it. I didn't even believe it was a thing. I didn't think it was a problem. And then the last year when I finally realized like, oh no, like I actually have this issue. I'm going to eventually need to get help. I struggled with it for a year to even mention it to someone. So it is, I feel like there's a lot of people that could be listening now too, that could be dealing with this and could also be, be thinking, oh, it's not really that big of a deal. I'm not that bad. Like it's not, it's not going to get that bad ever. Um, and if you do think you're struggling with this and you do think that you're on the verge of struggling with us, I guess I should say, um, don't be afraid to reach out. If you do feel confident enough to say something and like, like you said, joining these Facebook groups, hearing other women talk about it, even hearing you and I talk about it today. I know it can be super encouraging to people and just knowing that like, Oh, okay. They opened up. Like I can too. I can like, I can come, I can come through this on the other end in the positive light. So I feel like that's really good advice from what we said with the whole Facebook group and just reaching out to people. Um, if you're ready, of course, like we said, um, want to make sure everything's done on your time, because if you rush into it and stuff, you're not going to be ready. You're just going to like, you just need to make sure that you are mentally and physically prepared for actually getting through and making those positive changes in your life. No, it really is important because I remember when I had my own personal struggles and I was trying to get help, but I personally wasn't ready. It honestly didn't help. It was a waste of time. It was a waste of money because I had uh, gone to a therapist and I realized that in that moment, when I reflect back on these years, I'm like, I wasn't ready. And that's why I felt like, oh, therapy is so stupid. It doesn't work, but it's because I truly wasn't ready. But when I was, it made a huge difference in my life. And I think it's really cool to reflect back on this and just think about how important it is. You know, again, you don't want to force yourself and it's all about whenever you're ready, not when someone else is pushing you towards recovery. Exactly. I think that's, that's a huge thing to keep in mind for everyone listening. Well, awesome. I think we have touched on everything that we wanted to touch on. Do you think, that, do you have anything else that you want to add into this or let the listeners know about anything? Or do we touch on everything? I think we covered everything, but don't hesitate to reach out to myself or Alexis or another healthcare professional, whether it's someone you find online or Instagram, just don't hesitate to reach out. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you three questions that I like to ask everyone at the end of all my podcasts. Then I'll give you a chance to just kind of like plug yourself and just tell everyone where to find you, Mm -hmm. um, how they can get in touch for clients or anything like that. And then I'll also add all of Diana's um, information in the show notes. So you guys listening can find her very easily if you're interested in getting in touch. So my first question is, what's your favorite food, obviously? My favorite food has to be pizza. Like, yep. my boyfriend even nicknamed me pizza because of <laughs> how my name is spelled. He thinks it's spelled like DiGiorno's pizza. So since we started, like, ever since we started dating, he's like, oh, it sounds like DiGiorno's pizza. So he calls me pizza. His friends call me pizza. And I'm like, hey, why not? It's my favorite food. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> All right. And what's your favorite way to, like, move your body and get active? Oh my God. There's so many different ways. Honestly, like some days I'll feel like weightlifting and then some days I love doing like hit workouts. I know some people may be very anti hit workouts, but like I love them because they're so fun and energetic and it goes by so fast. Like if I don't feel like weightlifting, I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to take forever. But a hit workout, I'm like, go, 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 go. And it's super fun. 
No, I'm the same way. I love hit workouts because I feel like you could do a 30 minute workout and get super sweaty and just like feel awesome afterwards while weight training. Sometimes I'm like, I'm only on the second set. Oh no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the third, third and last question is what keeps you motivated to do what you do and inspire others the way you do? I think what keeps me motivated is other people. Like I love seeing other people who are succeeding and just even seeing other people who need help. And I'm like, wow, this is great. Like I can finally do this and make a difference. And I don't know, I feel like I've always just been like this ambitious person and I love setting goals and I just want to keep doing stuff. And like, I've always been very motivated to help other people and just been very drawn to it. And I think it's really exciting that I can finally do that. And just being able to finally help people is just what further motivates me. So it's just a really cool feeling. No, I, I completely relate to that. I love that. Okay. Well, that's everything that I have for today. Um, go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you on like social media, um, websites, anything like that, Facebook, whatever you have, let them know. And I'll make sure to add it all to the show notes as well. Yeah, of course. So, so far I just have my Instagram. I'm trying to start small and not do too much at a time. So my Instagram is binge period freedom period nutritionist. And I do have a direct Earl there to apply for coaching or a lot of people can feel free to message me as well. It's, you don't have to go in directly and apply. I know it might be easier to just talk to me first. So whatever you're most comfortable with, just don't hesitate to reach out. I love talking to my followers, even new followers. I look forward to that. And I just want to help you guys. That's what we're here for, right? Right, exactly. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and tackling this topic with me. I think we, this is so much good information for everyone. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. Thank you so much, Alexis, for having me. This was so much fun. And I think a lot of people will find it extremely helpful and beneficial. Yes, I completely agree. Thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you all next Wednesday. If you're already following me on my other social media accounts, then I'm sure you've heard that I'm taking clients and I'm so excited. If you're struggling with your weight, relationship with food, a specific health concern, or you just need motivation to live a healthier lifestyle, then come work with me. I want to be your accountability partner. Visit my website that I have linked in the show notes and book your free 30-minute consultation with me and we can figure out the best plan that works for you. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all and appreciate your support so much. I will be uploading a new episode every Wednesday, so make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Follow my Instagram and TikTok at Nutrition by Lex for more information and health inspiration.